Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us again. And for those that are watching online, welcome. There was an old man who wanted to teach his young son, his youthful son, let's say, uh, a lesson about bad habits. And so he had a number of bad habits that he wanted his son to change and reform. And so he asked this, uh, this other man, this old wise man, what can I do? And so this old wise man took this, this son out for a walk. And as he took him out for a walk in the, in the forest, in the garden area, he saw a blade of grass and he asked the young man, can you pull out that blade of grass? And he said, yes. And he pulled it out. As they continued walking, they saw uh, some flowers. And he asked the young man, can you pull out one of those flowers? And he said, yes. And he pulled out the flower. As he continued walking, there was a plant there. And he asked the young man, can you pull out that plant? And so this time he had to use his whole hand. And he pulled out the plant. And as they continued walking a little bit further, he saw a big bush. And he said, can you pull out that bush? So, well, I can try. And so he went and like bear hugged and pulled out the bush. Finally, as he continued walking, he saw a small tree. And as he came close to the small tree, the, the elderly man asked the young man, can you pull out that tree? And he was like, I don't know. We try, and he, he bear hugged the tree, and he pulled it and tried everything that he could, and he said, it's impossible. I can't do that. And the old man said, and so are our habits as well. As our habits develop, whether good or bad, they become rooted within us. If it's something that's just starting out, maybe it's like that blade of grass or that flower and can be easily pulled, but as things progress and as things get bigger and longer, and as you start to pull, then it becomes harder to change and harder to reform. In his book, Atomic Habits, one of the, the best-selling uh, books regarding developing good habits, James uh, Clear, uh, Clear says this, all big things come from small beginnings. The seed of every habit is a single tiny decision. But as that decision is repeated, the habit sprouts and grows stronger. Roots entrench themselves and branches grow. The task of breaking a bad habit is like uprooting a powerful oak within us. And the task of building a good habit is like cultivating a delicate flower one day at a time. See, the children of Israel, when they were taken into captivity... A lot of the structures and things that God had put in place for their own good, for their own spiritual wellness and vitality had fallen apart. It had crumbled. And so as they came back to Jerusalem, as Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, and the other leaders brought them back to Jerusalem, and as they started making some of the reforms and started seeking the Lord, they started to put back in place certain structures and certain celebrations, certain festivals and feasts and prayer and reading of God's word and a number of other things, disciplines that God wanted them to celebrate. And that helped them, that would help them, in their spiritual journey. And so friends, this morning, as we continue our series on rebuilding, I'd like to talk a little bit about the spiritual disciplines or the spiritual rhythms or the habits that God wants us to form in our life so that we can have a healthy, vital, uh, spiritual life. 
How many, how many of us here, maybe you find it difficult and you struggle with some things in, in drawing close to Jesus. Maybe you struggle with some things in uh, just maintaining a, a deep relationship with the Lord. And maybe you're new here and maybe you realize that you need to have some, some uh, rhythms in your life that help you not only spiritually, but for other things as well. Well, when the children of Israel came back to the promised land, when they came back to Jerusalem, they started to celebrate again the feasts that they were supposed to celebrate before. They were called feasts. They were called festivals. And the, the, the celebration of the feasts or these festivals created rhythms of worship. And what I want to encourage you today is to create those rhythms of worship in your life and in your family's life. You can, fa- you can find these, uh, these feasts or these festivals in Leviticus 23. We're not going to take time this morning to read through all of them. I'm going to show you a bunch of verses as well. And I might not read all of them. If you want to find the, the notes, it's on uachome.org notes. You can see all the verses there as well. Um, because I just want to give you a brief overview and then get into some very practical things as well this morning. And so in, in Leviticus 23, God initially lays out for them the feasts or the festivals that they're supposed to celebrate. And as they celebrate these feasts or these festivals in one year, it's sort of like a year of spiritual growth. And for us as well, as we take time to celebrate these festivals and these feasts in a spiritual way, it will help us to grow spiritually as well. Here's a question for you. What are the rhythms or the celebrations that you have in your life that you do daily, weekly, monthly, or maybe even annually? Here's an easy one. Anyone here celebrate your birthday? That's an annual celebration. It's a time when we should take time to reflect back, praise God for his uh, faithful hand upon our life, give thanks to the Lord in remembrance for what he's done for us. There are things that we can do on on a monthly basis. Maybe it's something like fasting once a month. Maybe there's things that we could do on a weekly basis, like a Sabbath. Maybe there are things that we should do on a daily basis, like prayer and Bible reading. And so I want to encourage you as we share this morning about some of these rhythms and get into some of the practical things as well, I I want to challenge you to make a decision to restart, revive, rebuild or renew at least one spiritual discipline in your life that's maybe fallen away or maybe it's something you've never done before that you think this might actually be good for me and so there are actually seven feasts or festivals but before that the lord actually in in leviticus 23 talks about one that's very important and that's called the sabbath And as I shared with you in previous messages, because the children of Israel failed to keep the Sabbath and also failed to keep the Sabbath year, which was every seventh year, that was one of the principal reasons in which they were taken into captivity. In the book of Isaiah, the Lord says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And so for us, it's really important that we take a Sabbath. It doesn't matter what profession we're in. It doesn't matter what we do for a living. Celebrating a Sabbath is critical and key for our spiritual health to take a day apart. And in your life groups, you'll dig into that a little bit more of what does that Sabbath actually mean? What do I do uh, in, uh, in a Sabbath day? And I think it's important for us to take that time to rest, renew, and revive ourselves. Uh, in his book, God in, God in My Everything, I'm going to read a portion at the end as well, but uh, this was written by a, a, a Christian Missionary Alliance pastor. His name is Ken Shigematsu. He's a pastor in Vancouver. 
And he talks about the Sabbath and he says this, we need to ask ourselves why, are, why we are so busy. Sabbath helps us to question our assumptions. The truth is that we may be busy because we feel a need to validate our worth. Sabbath gives us a chance to step off the hamster wheel and listen to the voice that tells us we are beloved by God. The Sabbath heals us from our compulsion to measure ourselves by what we accomplish, who we know, and the influence we have. Sabbath enables us to define ourselves less by our achievements and more as beloved daughters and sons of God. As we become more aware of how much we are cherished as children of God, we grow in our trust of God. And so we all need to take that time because we're in a, what the world would call a rat race, right? We're so busy. Anyone here, you've been busy this week, right? So many things that we're doing, this, 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 that, and the other. And to celebrate the, the, uh, the, uh, a Sabbath weekly is so critical and important. I'm going to go through very quickly what the seven feasts are and talk a little bit about what we can remember in them. The first one is called the Feast of Passover. And the, the, the first four feasts are actually uh, spring feasts. They were, they, were, they were celebrated close together, right? And the Feast of Passover, as we talked uh, earlier in this year, when we talked about the Passover, is a clear and specific representation of Jesus being the Passover lamb. Okay, we can see how the, the feast of Passover points to Jesus. Actually, all seven of these feasts that we're going to talk about, they all point forward towards Jesus. And so in our celebration of these feasts in a spiritual way, we point forward to Jesus. As we celebrate these feasts, we celebrate Jesus. As we celebrate these feasts or these festivals, we celebrate the work of Jesus in our life. Jesus is the Passover lamb who died for us to take away our sins. Right Then after the, the, the Passover was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It came right after the Passover, and it was for seven days. And this Feast of Unleavened Bread, we, uh, we read about it. Samuel read it in the scriptures today. The children of Israel, as they came back, they celebrated this Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the, the leaven speaks about sin and malice and iniquity and how we celebrate this Feast of Unleavened Bread. We, we take away the, this uh, malice and uh, wickedness. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. And so as we celebrate this feast, it's a time of reflection. It's a time of self-examination because Jesus is our Passover who takes away our sin. As we celebrate this, we take away the sin that's in our life. It's an important feast to celebrate, don't you think? It's an important thing that we should do. Is that daily? Is that weekly? Is that monthly? Is that every year? How often do we need to take time to look at our lives and celebrate this feast? After that feast was called the Feast of the First Fruits. And that feast, it happens, uh, the, it would happen the day after the Sabbath day, after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So it happened on a Sunday. It points forward to the resurrection of Jesus because Jesus is known as the first fruits. That's what it says here in 1 Corinthians 15, how Jesus is the first fruits, the first that was raised again from the dead. It speaks about the hope of resurrection that we have. Here's a question for you. How many of us have thought about the resurrection of Jesus this past week? How many of us have thought about the, the, the hope of resurrection that we also share because of what Jesus has done? We have a rhythm here at Unionville Alliance Church where we celebrate communion once a month. We're doing it next week. 
And in that celebration of communion, it's a remembrance of the death and of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Communion gives us a spiritual rhythm that we can celebrate. It gives us an opportunity to look back and reflect on our lives and see, has there been this malice, this wickedness, this sin, uh, this leaven that has come into our life? It gives us an opportunity to remember and celebrate the death, burial, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so in, in our church calendar, there's so many other events and opportunities that give us times of reflection, give us times of celebration, that help us to take a look back, whether that's weekly, monthly, or annually, it, we have to uh, involve some of these things in our life. Here's a few of them in the church here. There's something called the Day of Epiphany in, ja- in January. Lent, anyone heard about Lent? We did a whole Lent devotional this past year, so I hope you've heard of Lent, right? Shrove Tuesday, Ash Wednesday, the Feast of Purim, Palm Sunday, Monday Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, we're going to celebrate that this year. Day of Ascension, Trinity Sunday, that talks about the triune God, right? Advent, it's around the corner. Christmas, best time of the year, just saying, right? There's other things that have come up in our, in our calendar, in our celebration. There's a National Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, which we're going to talk a little bit about on, on November 13th. These are opportunities for us to celebrate. These are opportunities for us to reflect. These are opportunities, spiritual rhythms that God can put into our lives as we celebrate some of these things. If, you, if you've grown up maybe possibly in an Anglican church, you might be used to some of these things and, and different uh, liturgy and celebrations that happen that it keeps us in our, on those guardrails. It keeps us on track. It keeps us growing and healthy in our spiritual life. After this feast was called the Feast of Pentecost, Right? Anyone remember what Pentecost was? Well, this this feast pointed forward. It happened 50 days after uh, the Passover was slain, uh, Passover of a lamb was slain. It was 50 days after that, and it points forward to the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the people, and they were filled and empowered by the Spirit. These first four feasts were the spring feasts. They were clumped together. It was a time when people could remember the death the burial, the resurrection and the out of Jesus and the outpouring of the spirit that Jesus promised for us. This is what we remember. Of course, at that time for the children of Israel, they didn't, remember, they didn't know any of those things. Jesus had not come. But it was times when they could reflect back on the goodness of God and what God had done for them in delivering them from Egypt, bringing them into the promised land and giving them an opportunity to worship the Lord. Friends, what are our feasts? What are our festivals? What are our spiritual rhythms? What are the disciplines that we're putting in place that help us to be able to draw close to Jesus? The next three feasts were fall feasts. The first one was called the Feast of Trumpets. And this pointed forward as well to the the first four feasts. We can clump them all together and talk about the first advent of Jesus when Jesus first came. Death, burial, resurrection, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all part of Jesus' first advent. The next three, we can point forward even towards that second advent. The Feast of Trumpets speaks about Jesus' second coming, right? In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52, it talks about the coming of the Lord as there will be a sound, a trumpet that's blown. And so it points forward. And so here, here, here's a question that I have for you today. How many of us this past week, this past month, or even this past year, how many of us have taken time to think, pray, remember, and celebrate that Jesus is coming soon. Do you know that? Jesus is coming soon. He could come today. 
He could come before the end of the service. He could come before the end of this week. We don't know when he's coming. But the celebration of this feast is a pointing forward to what Jesus has done for us. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it also talks about that, how the Lord will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. This feast of trumpets points forward to Jesus' coming. After that was something called the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, in the Jewish calendar. And this was a day when the, the high priest went into the most holy place only once in a year to make atonement for his sins and for the sins of the people. Well, Jesus did that once and for all when he died on the cross of Calvary and with his own blood, he came and he offered that sacrifice. That's what we read about in the book of Hebrews chapter nine. And it talks about how we have such a high priest who's gone into the heavens, into the tabernacle of God, right? And he has offered that sacrifice with his own blood and made atonement forever. But this this feast, the day of the atonement also points forward to that day of judgment as well. When the word of God says that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will all stand before the Lord and guess what happens during that day of judgment? He says, don't worry, he's covered under my blood. Don't worry, I've gone into the most holy place already and she is covered under my blood. It points forward to that fact that when we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ that the Lord covers us, we are atoned for already. And the last feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, before I get to that, how many of us can celebrate that? How many of us take pause and reflection to be able to say whether that's weekly, whether that's monthly, whether that's annually, whether that's daily, to be able to say, thank you, Jesus, for your great sacrifice for me. Because of what you've done, I am atoned for. Because of what you've done, I can celebrate the atonement. And then the last one is the Feast of Tabernacles. We remember how Jesus came and lived with us. How Jesus came, in John chapter 1, it talks about how Jesus came and we saw his glory. And the Greek word that's there is he, he tabernacled among us or he lived amongst us. His presence was with us. But it points forward as well to that second advent, the second coming of Jesus, when we will be with him, not for a time, but for ever. And that feast of tabernacles points us forward towards that, that celebration. And so you see, these are rhythms. These are are, are things that the children of Israel had to celebrate every single year. Unfortunately, they didn't. But as they came back to Jerusalem through Ezra, Nehemiah, and Zerubbabel's leadership, they started to institute these feasts again to create spiritual rhythms for their lives to help them to stay on track to worship and serve the living God. And friends, God wants our lives to be similar in that sense that there is some structure, there is some discipline, there is some order in worshiping the Lord. And God wants that to happen in our lives so that we can draw closer to Jesus, so that we can have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. See, the spiritual disciplines that the Word of God talks about are necessary in cultivating intimate and vibrant relationship with Jesus. And it's so important for us to be able to do that. We see that in the Old Testament. It's so critical and necessary. If you find yourself today far away from Jesus, if you find yourself today trying, trying, and failing, if you find yourself today in a place where you're like, I want, as we sang, I want to know you more, can I encourage you to take that step to institute 
to put in place some spiritual disciplines and some spiritual rhythms in your life that'll help you to draw closer to Jesus. It's so critically important. Let me talk about a few of them. And I'm taking, I'm taking this from Ezra chapter 6 from what uh, we read in our scripture reading today, and I'll take a couple of others as well from the broader Ezra and Nehemiah books. But in, uh, the first one is gathering for worship. Gathering to worship. In Ezra 6, it says, the Jewish elders continued their work, and they were greatly encouraged by the preaching of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. See, when we gather together to worship like we do on a Sunday morning, to have that spiritual rhythm is so critical for our lives. Only until we don't have that do we realize how we drift further and further away from the Lord. And so I want to encourage you, whether it's coming in person or watching online, to have that spiritual rhythm in your life of worshiping the Lord together. It's so important. You know, when I was, when I was a teenager, I never asked my parents on Sunday morning, hey, are we going to church today? It was, it was a given. I never asked them on Wednesday night, hey, are we going to, our, going to Bible study tonight? It was a given. I never asked on Saturday night, hey, are we going to our prayer meeting tonight? It was a given. I know you're probably thinking three times a week. Wow. The spiritual rhythms that we put in place will nurture our spiritual life and help us to grow closer to Jesus. It's impossible for us to be able to say, I want to know you more, but then not engage in these spiritual rhythms that God wants us to have. This is the means and methods by which he cultivates our spiritual life. And so I want to encourage you, whether that's uh, through, our, uh, through life groups that meet during the week, to engage in times of worship together and celebration together. It's so critical and it's so important. Uh, coming this Advent, we're going to be doing an uh, Advent reading together starting on November 27th. We'll give you uh, some booklets. You can, uh, a printed copy or you can download it online. And we want to encourage people to read that together and journey together in an atmosphere of worship. Generous giving. How many know that giving is also a spiritual discipline? Right? To be able to give of your tithes and of your offerings. In Ezra chapter 6, we saw how as they were making the temple of God, people had to bring to the temple of God for the construction of the temple of God. They had to bring for the sacrifices that were going to be offered there in the temple of God. And so in generous giving is a spiritual discipline that God wants us to have. The act of giving to the Lord financially of our time, of our strength and resources and wisdom, that act of generous giving is so important to create spiritual rhythms in our life that help us to stay close to Jesus. Sacrificial service, it's another critical discipline to have. In the, in the Western world that we live in today, we are all about consumerism. Even Christianity is about consumerism. What can I get? What can I get? What can I get? But actually, the Lord asks us something different. It's about service. When, when the children of Israel came back to the promised land in, in Ezra 6, we see how the priests and Levites were divided into their various divisions to do what? To do what? To serve at the temple of God in Jerusalem as prescribed in the book of Moses. The act of service, the act of serving the Lord. There's so many opportunities that you can serve in, in, in the house of God. 
whether it's at Alpha, whether it's at children's ministries or youth ministries or worship team or life groups or communication or welcoming, master's pantry, um, uh, hampers of hope, Christmas shoeboxes, so many different things that we can serve in. The Lord wants us to be engaged. It's a spiritual discipline. I want to encourage each and every one of us here to be involved in at least one service opportunity in which we are giving back to the Lord of what he has given to us. Let's be engaged in that. Times of sanctification. This is another spiritual discipline, whether that happens on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, whatever that might be, but to take time to purify our lives. In Ezra chapter 6, it says, verse 19, on April 21st, the returned exile celebrated the Passover. Part of that Passover celebration, the priests and Levites had purified themselves and were ceremonially clean. They took time to examine their lives and cleanse their lives. There was an order and a structure for that to happen in the Old Testament. For us here now in the New Testament time, because of what Jesus has done, it's so important for us, whether it's before communion or hopefully it's more often than that, if we're only doing communion once a month, to take time to reflect on our lives. Say, Lord, have I grieved you? Have I sinned? Have I done something that has hurt you? Lord, please forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. It's a spiritual discipline that's critical to keeping us walking close to Jesus. How about this? Fellowship with one another. It's so important. We were built for community. If COVID has taught us anything, one of the biggest lessons it's taught us is the critical need for community and that prolonged isolation has dramatic effects on our life. And so in Ezra 6, we see how when they were celebrating the Passover, they came together and they ate together. How many know that there is a power in eating together? There is a theology of food. There is a theology of eating together that is so critical. Can I encourage you, depending on your health situation and how you feel, I know there are some COVID cases that are increasing uh, in these days in our province, but if you have an opportunity to invite someone to your house, if you have an opportunity to eat together, if you have an opportunity, maybe it's somebody new that, you've, never, that you've, you've seen for the first time here at church or someone within your community, somebody even in your life group, invite them. Eating together is a spiritual discipline that helps us to draw close to Jesus because we do life together one with another. It happened in the early church in the book of Acts chapter 2. It says that they, w- they broke bread in their homes and together with glad and sincere hearts, they were praising God. See, they went from house to house. They ate together. They fellowshiped together. They learned together. They studied the word of God together. They did things together around food. And so celebrating that is so important in our life. How about this? The remembrance of God's goodness. One of the critical uh, failures of the children of Israel was that they forgot what God had done for them. They would have this great miracle, this wonderful deliverance. And then what happened? They were hungry, and then they said, forget this guy. He doesn't give us food to eat. And they started to murmur and complain. And so one of the important things in Ezra 6, we see this remembrance of goodness of of, of the Lord. There was great joy throughout the land because the Lord had caused the king of Assyria to be favorable to them. They remembered the goodness of God. They remembered the hand of the Lord. Friends, can I ask you to take time, whether that's on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, hopefully it's not on an annual basis but to take time to reflect on God's goodness, on God's provision, on God's kindness towards you, right? 
How about this? Study, reading, studying, meditating, and memorizing the Word of God. We've talked about this a little bit before uh, in this series. But it's so important for us to give priority to the Word of God. Right? In Nehemiah chapter 9, it says they remained standing in place for, for how long? Three hours. Right? They gave priority to the Word of God. How about for us? Right? What do we do? I, I think I told you before, my dad, when I was a kid, would always ask, you know, we would, my brother and I would get ready, we'd have to read our Bible and pray and then go to school, and then, you know, when we would come back, he'd always ask, did you read your Bible today? And I would always say yes. Do you know why? Because I read Psalm 117 that has just a couple of verses in it, so that I'd be able to answer, yes, I read my Bible today. Right? And that's how I got out of doing that being able to answer and, you know, thankfully he didn't ask a follow-up question after that. But how are we, do we just breeze through or neglect it altogether? Well, reading God's word, studying God's word, meditating on God's word, memorizing God's word, these are spiritual disciplines that we can put in place that keep us on our guardrails, that keep us focused in our relationship with Jesus, that help us to draw closer to the Lord, Right? Ezra, we read this verse, Ezra 7, verse 10, how Ezra determined to study, obey, and teach the word of God. The psalmist says in Psalm 1, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. As we meditate on the word of God day and night, what happens? They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bringing fruit each season. As we meditate on the word of God, there is fruit that is born in our lives. These are habits that are developed and it'll bring forth fruit in our life. Starting in January 1st, 2022, some of you have joined us on our Bible reading challenge, reading through Ezra and Nehemiah. Well, we're starting this whole series on Jesus starting in Christmas. So January 1st, 2022, we're gonna read the, uh, the gospels together for 90 days. Are you ready? 90 days, we're gonna read through all four gospels together. I wanna invite you on that journey. We'll give you some more information later on. Remember I told you that's one of the legs of the Christian life reading God's word. And so join us together as we fellowship towards that. And purposeful prayer. They spent time in prayer. We saw this last week as the, the people came together and confessed their sins, right? In Nehemiah chapter nine, they gathered together. It was on October 31st. That's tomorrow, right? October 31st, the people assembled again. They fasted, they dressed in burlap. They were fasting and praying. The purposeful prayer the spiritual discipline of fasting, the spiritual discipline of repentance, daily prayer, weekly prayer, intercessory prayer, whatever that might be. We talked about prayer some weeks ago. Three simple things that we talked about come from Pete Gregg in the prayer course. Keep it real, keep it simple, and the critical one is keep it up. Keep it going. Keep it part of your spiritual rhythms. Keep it part of your daily lives. Friends, it's so important for us, purposeful prayer. Matthew, uh, in Matthew, it says this, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. It, it's, it's something in the present tense. Keep on doing this. Purposeful prayer. January 1st, 2022, we're starting a 40-day prayer challenge. Okay? 2023. Did I say 2022 the last time? I did. You thought, oh, we escaped. I missed it. That was last year. All right. January 1st, 2023, the two legs of the spiritual life is what? Bible reading 
and prayer. Join us on a journey, 90 days reading through the four gospels, 40 days, a different prayer challenge. It'll be via text, just a small little line, small pause to pray about something. Can you do that? Can you join us? Can you journey with us? Can we, you know, January is a good time to make new resolutions, to start new, new things, fresh things. So we're going to start during that time. But we, we want to be able to put these spiritual disciplines into our life. Sabbath, prayer, fasting, silence and solitude, scripture reading, community, simplicity, generosity, hospitality. So many of these different things are so important for us. And I want to encourage you to be, be able to do that. In 1 Timothy, it says this, train yourself to be godly. Let me say that again. Train yourself to be God. We, we train ourselves for so many things, right? We train ourselves to get up in the morning. We train ourselves maybe in physical things. We train ourselves, you know, to do so many things. But it says here, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. These spiritual disciplines, these spiritual rhythms, these healthy habits that cultivate spiritual vitality in our life that draws close to Jesus and keep us close to Jesus are so critical. Can I challenge you today to restart one, to renew one, to revitalize one of them? Whatever the spirit of God has put upon your heart, whatever the spirit of the Lord is saying, as we sang, I surrender to you, Lord. Can I challenge you to surrender one? As I close, there's, there's an old, this book by Ken Shigematsu, God in My Everything. The subtitle of this book is How an Ancient Rhythm Helps Busy People Enjoy God. Anyone fall into that category? Any busy people here you want to enjoy God? I put the link on our notes page. You can, it's a good book. What Ken talks about in this book is about an ancient rhythm called a rule of life. And you might look at that word rule and say, oh, well, I thought we're off the law. Like, isn't it all grace now? Well, this ancient rhythm that he talks about in this book is creating a rule of life that helps us to live structured, disciplined lives with spiritual rhythms and disciplines so that we can have a very vibrant Christian life following Jesus. And so he talks, he goes through the book and he talks in the book, he talks about putting all of that together, examining our life and seeing, and I'll read you, uh, I'll read you from the book, his rule of life. And he gives a few others as well, but I'm just going to read you his. This is what he wrote down. This is what he lives by. Okay. Take a 24 hour Sabbath once a week. Begin each day with scripture and prayer. Pray the examine, which is a, the examine is a, is a type of prayer, a, a reflective prayer. Pray the examine before going to sleep at night. Run two to three times a week. Swim two times a week. Aim to be home by 5.15 p.m. each day and to be home at least four evenings a week. Fast on Thursdays. Go on a date with my wife once every two to three weeks. Meet with a spiritual director once a month. Host people from different backgrounds in our home about once a month. Take a yearly spiritual retreat with my mentorship group. Take a yearly summer vacation with my family and spend New Year's in Japan with my wife's family. Tithe to my local church and give to impoverished children and missions in the developing world to the point where we feel financially stretched. That's his rule of life. That's what he's trying to do. 
And that keeps him on that path of a vibrant spiritual journey. I want to encourage you, if you get a chance to read it, make a rule of life as well. Worship team, please come. But can I ask you just to start with one spiritual discipline today? Make a decision today to say, I am going to revitalize one spiritual pathway in my life. His rule of life had a number of different things. Can you think of one thing that you can do that you know deep down in your heart, and maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, if I were to start doing this thing on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, it would make such a difference in my spiritual life. It would really draw me closer to Jesus. It would really change my outlook. It would really help me to prioritize the things of God and put Jesus in the first place. What is that thing? Let's stand together and let's sing.